the C.D. Howe Institute, Essential Policy Intelligence. Welcome to Intelligence Chat, a C.D. Howe Institute podcast that asks the right questions and provides the answers. I'm Kyle Murphy. From the federal government's bold plan to expand the Canada Pension Plan, to the current debate around whether to scale back the annual contribution limit for the tax-free savings account, Canadians are being inundated with debates around their retirement futures. So, are Canadians prepared for retirement? Well, according to the Institute's retirement experts, to answer this question, one must assess the major pillars upon which Canadians rely for their retirement, including the not so often discussed fourth pillar. Before getting to the data, however, here's a quick explanation of the jargon. Canadian households can count on four pillars of wealth in retirement. The first pillar are government payments through the old age security and guaranteed income supplement, both of which provide a basic income for all retirees. The second are benefits from the Quebec and Canada pension plan. The third is wealth explicitly set aside for the purpose of supporting retirement, such as workplace pension plans. Finally, the fourth pillar, the one most often overlooked when assessing the retirement preparedness of Canadians, is wealth from sources such as real estate, financial instruments, privately owned business assets, insurance, inheritances, and tax-free savings accounts. So, what does the data show? According to the Institute's latest report, which provides a comprehensive assessment of the impact of fourth pillar assets on retirement savings, significantly fewer Canadians are at risk than widely believed. To help us unpack these findings and discuss their implications for retirement policy, I'm joined now by Jeremy Cronick, Senior Policy Analyst here at the Institute and co-author of the report, The Bigger Picture, How the Fourth Pillar Impacts Retirement Preparedness. Jeremy, welcome. Thanks, Kyle. Jeremy, to start, why has the fourth pillar of retirement wealth been traditionally left out of assessments of Canadians' retirement preparedness? Well, one reason is related to data limitations and methods. It's been challenging for the main studies of retirement preparedness to include and project all fourth pillar asset accumulations. Nonetheless, it's not to say that all studies have ignored them or their potential. Most of the recent studies have factored in some values for equity in a principal residence. Others, relying on proprietary surveys, have been able to include most fourth pillar assets in their projections, but these results have not been prominently discussed in the pension reform debate. It is noteworthy here that the Summary Report on Retirement Income Adequacy Research, a federal-provincial initiative dating back to 2009, had highlighted the need for a comprehensive analysis of all forms of savings, including the role of assets outside the retirement income system. What does your comprehensive analysis of fourth pillar assets show? Well, essentially we have survey data which asks households what makes up their asset base, what their income range is, what their primary source of income from retirement will be, at the end of the day, we get a comprehensive view of the financial position of Canadians by age groups and income quintiles. So in terms of the results, uh, I think it's helpful to start by going through the contribution of each pillar. If we look at the 35 to 64 year old group as a whole, about 20% are well covered by old age security and CPP, i.e. pillars one and two. This range is pretty consistent if you break it down by 10 year age groups. Workplace pensions provide another large boost to retirement preparedness. Approximately 41% of those not covered by the first two pillars will have sufficient retirement savings when we factor in these workplace pensions. Looking at only who remains after removing those covered by either the first two pillars or workplace pensions, 
gives us a group of households that will rely on RSPs and or fourth pillar assets. RRSP accumulation and the assumed real return we use will mean another 2.5% are sufficiently prepared for retirement as well. So overall, approximately 36.5% of the 35 to 64 year olds will rely on fourth pillar assets to meet the remainder of their retirement needs. What we find is that fourth pillar assets play a significant role for this remaining group. Overall, about 14% of the original group, or 38% of the remaining group, are made whole by sufficient fourth pillar asset accumulation. Again, this is fairly consistent across the age groups. Therefore, our final at-risk group is made up of 22.5% of 35 to 64 year olds. Therefore, about one in five households remain at risk given current accumulation levels of being insufficiently prepared for retirement down from more than one in three prior to considering fourth pillar assets. So these fourth pillar assets really do play a significant role. And one other point's important to mention, uh, we also were able to break down the final at-risk group by income quintiles to determine a little more about who makes up this remaining at-risk group. What we find is that the largest group of at-risk households is the, in the fifth income quintile corresponding with the wealthiest 20%. More than one in three of this 22.5% is in this top income quintile. This is positive in a sense, in that this top income set of households has the most opportunity to increase savings during their ongoing careers to get to the point they need to be at in retirement, and they also have the most flexibility to downsize in retirement. What do Canada's governments risk if they fail to take fourth pillar assets into account when designing their policies? Well, it's important to factor in all forms of asset accumulations because of the various circumstances faced by Canadian households. For many of the more than 600,000 business owners, it makes sense to accumulate retirement wealth by reinvesting in their businesses. Others have assets accumulating within life insurance policies on a tax-efficient basis or have benefited from a life insurance payout. Others have or will receive inheritances which reduce their savings needs. Importantly, some have accumulated substantial equity in their homes or own other real estate or financial investments. Now, our results suggest that the under-saving problem, the policy rationale given by governments for reform, needs to be interpreted with care. Declining tax-assisted savings may not lead to insufficient retirement saving overall, since Canadians are also investing in fourth-pillar assets to fund their retirement. So households accumulate wealth through a variety of channels. Mandating new retirement wealth accumulation through one channel, for example CPP, may impact accumulations in other channels for households that are already satisfied with their current trade-off of future versus present consumption. So the net effects of the reforms may be significantly muted by behavioral shifts. Jeremy, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. You can find the comprehensive analysis at www.cdhow.org, along with cutting-edge analysis on a wide variety of public policy issues. And that's all for Intelligence Chat. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Until next time, I'm Kyle Murphy. Thanks for listening. The C.D. Howe Institute. Essential Policy Intelligence.